All right, well, Shana Tava, everybody. It's wonderful to be joining you from, uh, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd love to say joining you from Jerusalem, but I'm not joining you from Jerusalem. I'm joining you from Barilan University. I am sitting in the back of the Beit Medrash. I'll give you a bit of tour, as you can see. I'm in the back of the ladies' section of the... So Barilan is a university which has a yeshiva component associated with it. So I'm sitting at the back of the... I'm sitting at the back of the yeshiva. It's not, it's not in session yet. I only start after the Chagim. But I will be here. So this is what I'm studying for my own Dayanut. So it's wonderful to see so many of you. Um, hope you're all doing well and, and coping during this challenging lockdown. Now, um, just um, if anyone would like to ask specific questions about uh, leading into Yontif, please, by all means, just uh, put it in the... Uh, put it into the loop just hold in a sec I'm just gonna so okay so if anyone has any questions please put it in in the in the loop uh, in the chat down below because I'm going to try to speak on a bit general level and uh, hopefully we'll be able to you know find things that will be of purpose and meaning to everybody and if anyone you can't hear me i am talking a little bit softer because i as i said i'm in the middle of a bait medrash and i don't want to disturb everybody else but hopefully we'll be able to um you'll be able to hear me if anyone can't just uh, i don't know make a little comment so we are um less than a week away from yomadin and uh manishtana uh you know so we we thought last year that at at pesach that would be the last time that we would have to ask this question about doing something in isolation and not having to have um, have shul and the like. Now, as difficult as it might have been for Pesach 2020, the idea of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur in isolation, I have no doubt, fills everyone with a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say trepidation, but disappointment in as much that Pesach, you've, you've got the Seder. So even though you don't have shul, and shul is really not a big part of the Pesach experience. Okay, we go to shul, and then we, it might be a, from a social point of view, and there might be a you know a great opportunity to um, to uh, to to connect with people. But at the end of the day, the Pesach experience is very much around the seder, and we can say that about a lot of the festivals. But when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, I mean Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we will hopefully talk, have another shul Yom Kippur going forward. But Rosh Hashanah, it, it's shul. You know, Shul starts at 8 in the morning, goes till 12.31. And the whole day is around the Shul, the Shofar. And uh, everything else is very, very secondary. Uh, the meal, and, and, and albeit that uh, there might be a lot of um, different symbolic foods that we have or, or things that we say. But there's no process at home that allows us to experience Rosh Hashanah at home that in, in any way that can give us the meaning that we have every year in Rosh Hashanah. So what we're going to do with this uh, this evening for you, this afternoon for me, is deal with the 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 questions of let's talk it um, on in two separate stages. On the one, we're going to talk about halachically, what do we do, what don't we do, what can we do, what can we not do, or should or shouldn't do. That will be one area. And then the second part, we're going to talk a little bit about um, how do we transform this this day that is potentially going to be rather anticlimactic into something that has a lot of meaning and uh, albeit I realize the task for that second part is enormous and uh, the only consolation that I suppose you can get is the fool's one and the fact that you're not alone in doing that it's not only Kilat Masada in isolation it's not even only Sydney in isolation but uh, large parts 
you know, of Sydney, Melbourne, and the like. So you're not alone in that in that in that expense. So let's just talk about um, halachic areas. So the most important, obviously, is with regards to shofar. Now, my understanding with regards to shofar is that even though there has been many attempts to try and create some form of a communal shofar blowing. Um, it's it's not going to be that possible. Now, I have been in conversations with uh, a few people to try to see if there's a way of doing it that, albeit that you can't congregate around um, any fields or, or, or areas, that's a problem. But for a, uh, a Baltokaya, someone to blow the shofar, to go you know from place to place um, and at least uh, hear, hear a few of the shofar blasts. Now, on, on Rosh Hashanah morning, we, we blow 100 blasts. The basic halacha is to blow 30 blasts. That sort of covers everybody's, you know, all the bases. But even in a, in a case of desperation, one can blow nine blasts, which it would be, you know, tikiyah, shvarim, trua, tikiyah. We'll do that three times. And that will cover a large part of it. Now, if you are fortunate that you have somebody in the family who can blow a shofar, well, you know, matovu name, So make the blessing on the shofar and blow i'm going to venture to suggest that many of you on the call don't that have that as an option so if you can get a shofar and blow a little bit whatever you can do has some value if you if if you get literally all you can get out is a let's call it a tikiya for lag it's a it's a very sad sound in tikiya that sounds like a, an elephant that you've just stood on its tail so if that's all you can do so i wouldn't make a bracha on it but it's something it's something that, at the essence, there are two elements of every mitzvah and tikiyah shofar perhaps more than most. That the tikiyah, the, you know, the blowing of the shofar, there's hearing the, the notes, but there's really what the note is supposed to, to do. It's supposed to create, and we spoke about this in the last year that we had, is that the idea is it's supposed to provoke within you a certain level of anxiety, fear, concern, and according to the Rambam, it's supposed to awaken within you the spirit to to, to wake up and, and to repent and to search your deeds and to and to improve. So, albeit that the, the technical notes of the shofar might not be feasible for anybody, but nevertheless is that um, the second part definitely is. That even if one, you know, in, there are years that we don't blow the shofar, so every time Rosh Hashanah falls on uh, Shabbat, we also don't blow a shofar. In fact, it's learnt out of the psukim, so the, sh- the word shofar in, con- in relation to Rosh Hashanah comes up twice. The third time it comes up, is with regards to Yom Kippur, and the two times that it comes up with regards to uh, with regards to Rosh Hashanah, one is called you know Yom Teruah, and the other it's called Yom Zichron Teruah. So the Teruah is the note that we we read. It's a, a wailing, what we will call Shvarim, or Teruah that you know the staccato sounds. But um, the, the one says Teruah, and the other is Zichron, a memory of a Teruah. So the, the Talmud learns out the Zichron Teruah is referring to. The days that we don't have the Tru'ah, but we do have the Zeche for the Tru'ah. We do have the memory of it. And that they learn out in the Gemara, that is referring to Shabbat. So on Shabbat, just we, we don't blow the Shofar. And it's only by rabbinic decree we don't blow the Shofar. Because there were various concerns. There were three things that happened on Shabbat that we don't fulfill the mitzvah. If uh, Purim falls on Shabbat, if Sukkot falls on Shabbat, or if uh, Rosh Hashanah falls on Shabbat, we don't blow the Shofar, we don't shake the Lulav, we don't read the Megillah. So in this year, it doesn't fall on Shabbat, but it's the same halacha for tens and purposes. Is that if you, if you can't blow a shofar, so there's no shofar to blow. But just because there's no shofar, it doesn't mean that somehow you're missing out. And I think it's a key over here. There's a general rule in halacha called Anus Rachmana Patra. And the, the understanding is, is that when things happen beyond 
your uh, beyond your control you're not held liable you have to deal with the situation that you have it and realize that in your situation the torah is going to look very different to other people so for example if you if you celiac so you can't ingest wheat of any form so how do you fulfill the mitzvah of, of, of matzah so some people are able to have different kinds of matzah so they have oat matzah or, or, or spelt or barley or rye but some people can't have any of that so how do they fulfill mitzvah matzah so the answer is they don't they, they don't have to fill matzah nebuch a person doesn't have arms so how do they put on tefillin so the answer is you don't put on tefillin they put their, their rosh on but they don't put on tefillin anybody who can't fulfill a mitzvah for a reason that is beyond their control so for them they exempt from the mitzvah exempt in fact halakhically even if you are poor if a person if a person comes up to you and says please can you make a donation because i can't afford a lulav so halakhically you say well then you're exempt from lulav you don't have to fulfill the mitzvah of lulav because if you can't afford the lulav you don't have to you don't have to shake a lulav if you can borrow a lulav that's a different story but the point being is that when the situation presents itself that there is no mitzvah because due to forces beyond your control you cannot fulfill the mitzvah so your halachic reality becomes one that that mitzvah i don't want to say doesn't exist but you 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 living in a world where the the lack of the shofar in your world is the same as somebody else's world with the shofar and i'll take it a step further that where those people and most of us that for all our lives we've heard the shofar every single year the shofar has for many of us just been a a noise I'll be honest, like, when I blow shofar, and um, so often the, the, you know, I, I manage to get myself into the zone that, you know, this is something important. But throughout the month of Elul, I don't. And even sometimes, especially during the repetition of the Amidah, when we start blowing the shofar, at some point it's just making sure the, 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 the notes come out crisp, they don't sound too much air, and, 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 and for me, it often becomes trying to perform a good shofar blast as opposed to am I actually hearing the notes of the shofar and sometimes when the thing is taken away from you you have an opportunity to appreciate what you've lost whereas once you have it all the time you can allow yourself to 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 you know rest on your laurels of the fact that I hear the shofar so I don't need to have the experience the experience is the goal not the, the notes so I gave a show yesterday I started teaching in the, in, a, in a program of young Americans over here for the year and we, we spoke about the concept of mitzvot being a crutch. Now, that is something that might not resonate for, for many of you, that because crutches are usually seen as very bad things. No one wants a crutch. But if you're a person who can't walk without the crutch, so the crutch is crucial. But the goal of the crutch is not the crutch. The goal of the crutch is to be able to walk. So if the crutch facilitates your walking, then it's a fantastic thing. If the, if the crutch becomes the end of itself, that even when you can walk beauty, you know, perfectly, you're still using a crutch, then we've got a problem. So same thing with mitzvot. So back in the times, you know, pre-Matan Torah, when we had, uh, when you had Avram Avinu, and you had Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, and even the, all the Jews that lived in Mitzrayim for the 400 years that they were there. So for that entire period of time, they didn't have mitzvot as we know it. Okay, they hadn't received the Torah at Sinai, so they didn't have the mitzvot as we know it. But yet, time and time again, the Gomorrah comes and says that the, the, the patriarchs, matriarchs, and everyone kept kola Torah kula. Everyone kept the mitzvot. So how on earth did they keep the mitzvot? So did, did Avram Avinu put on tefillin every morning? So perhaps if you understand it in a more mystical, Kabbalistic way, you say, yes, Avram Avinu put on tefillin. But I think the, the simple understanding is they didn't put on tefillin because they hadn't been commanded. So what does it mean they kept the entire Torah? 
it means, and this is the way that one of uh, Rav Desla from uh, the Mikhtav Yaw, a, a great philosophical thinker, early 20th century, he says as follows, he says that for the Avot, for Avraham, to have the relationship with Hashem that he could have, he didn't need to fill it. He could have the, the relationship that we need to fill in in order to have. But he could have it without to fill it. So for, for us, we can have the relationship with Hashem like Avraham, but we need, the, we need the crutch of tefillin. We need the crutch of the lulav. We need the crutch of the shofar. We, but Avraham could achieve all those same things without the mitzvah per se. But we need the mitzvah. But what it tells us is that the mitzvah is not the goal. The goal is not to do mitzvot. The goal is to have a relationship with Hashem through the mitzvot. So most of the time, that's the way we have to do it. That you put on tefillin, you shake a lulav, you hear the shofar, you eat in a sukkah, you do all those things as a means to having that relationship. But occasionally you're going to get in a situation where you don't have the means anymore. But you need to try to facilitate the relationship. And that is where shofar is going to happen. You're going to have to have the relationship of a, with Hashem, of what the shofar is supposed to awaken within the spirit of man, even though he's not going to be able to hear the shofar. And that, that's the key. So, so if you can blow anything, through a kosher shofar, a trumpet is not a shofar, uh, a clarinet, I don't know about a flute. You know, you can't say, well, we don't have a shofar, so we just blow a flute. If you don't have a shofar, you don't blow anything. It's as simple as that. But if you do have a shofar and you can eke out, you know, the, the basic sounds, even if it sounds really second class, make a blessing and, and, and blow the shofar as much as you can. If you don't have or can't hear it and you don't have to hear it, just appreciate it, you don't have to be next to the person. So if someone's blowing next door, as long as you are hearing it from them, it's fine. So if, 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 you, are, if you have a, a blower in your house and there are people within earshot of your house, you know, try to communicate amongst you so that someone can go outside and blow and you know, the, the neighboring homes should be able to hear it. Okay, that's the key. And truth be told, it's the only mitzvah on, uh, on, on Rosh Hashanah as far as a practical thing that you have to do. Now when we come to, let's go to davening. So davening, albeit that it is a... The, the, the lengthy bits of davening are the parts that we do as a minyan. I'm sure for those of you who are davening, notice that uh, Shabbos morning services are, are, are much shorter now. So whereas you go to shul for two, two and a half hours, now even if you daven with all the kavana in the world, you can finish the whole service, including Torah reading and Haftorah, in like 40 minutes, even less sometimes. Because the bulk of the, the time of the service is the repetition of Davida, all the more so on uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur because there are so many what we call piyutim piyutim are poems that are actually not part of the let's call it the the, 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 the basic skeleton of the davening but are things that have been ab- added over the passage of time over the last few thousand years you know great rabbinic poets have added you know different um, poems songs in order to sort of strike home the importance of the day so uh, a classic you know Unatana Tokif so Unatana Tokif which comes just before Kedusha in Musaf and that is Rosh Hashanah Yikatevu the Yom Tzom Kippur Yikatevun who will be born and who will die who in their time and who not in their time so you, you read something like that and if there is a prayer during Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur that resonates with most of us it's that because we, we get the sense that today you know in, in, in 12 months time we will look back on today and say that judgment was done so the people who that we care about that won't be in 12 months time we'll look back at Rosh Hashanah and say that's when the din came down that this person or when you know illness so I guess you know take it on a personal level so 
apparently Rosh Hashanah last year, Kodesh Baruch Hu determined that my brain would explode in, in February. You know, now, I, I don't know why, but apparently that was judged on, on, on in February. So Baruch Hashem, I'm, I'm on, on the other side of it, and, and I'd like to think I'm a better person as a result of it. But that was decided on Rosh Hashanah. But it's actually not part of the, of the basic framework of the davening. So when it comes to what we need to say and what we don't need to say, so it's on, on, at night it's, it's the whole service without Kaddish and without Baruch Hu, because we can't say those things without a minion. But on Shabbat, more, uh, on uh, Rosh Hashanah morning, um, we, we're going to leave out all those things. So if you go, uh, if you open up your Siddur, you'll see many things that are, you know, what are called piyutim. So it, it, you have the basic framework of the davening, and then a few parts that you'll see that are added in. So all those added things in, one can skip. And in the repetition of the Amidah, that's where they all come up. So another one that everyone will be familiar with is the Bchom Aminim. So the Bchom Aminim talks about, praises Hashem, you know, Bchom Aminim is all those who believe. And it goes through every letter of the Aleph Bait, and it's got two verses in every letter. So it just goes for, goes, uh, just seems to go forever, let's be honest. And uh, so those sort of things one doesn't have to say. That being said, is like all forms of poetry, if it will enhance your experience, so singing it by yourself, or just enjoying it. So outside the framework of your silent Amida, there's no problem to add it in. The same as adding in any form of poetry that you would feel can enhance your relationship with Hashem. So if Unatana Tokif resonates with you, so where do you slip it in? So you do the silent Amida of Shachrit, and then you do the silent Amida of Musaf, and then afterwards you just add in whichever of these poems that either the tunes are going to resonate maybe as a family you can sing some of them together the ones that you know the tunes but there's no obligation to do that so so that's that's the basic framework of that so there's no kedusha obviously there's no torah reading but um, what what i did you know while before i left is i went through the parsha every single every single week reading it from uh, from beginning to end and on Rosh Hashanah, you have the first day, which talks about uh, the birth of Isaac. Second day, which talks about the binding of Isaac. So those are, you know, important stories. And they're not particularly long, the Torah readings. So to read through those, they're all in the Machsarim, so you don't need a Chumash. And the Haftarah, so the Haftarah on first day of Rosh Hashanah is with regards to Chana. It, it comes at the beginning of the book of Samuel. It's the birth of Samuel. So it talks about Chana longing for a child and, you know, and her being answered. The second day is talking about... Um, the redemption from exile. It's Rachel Mavakal Baneha. It talks about uh, Rachel weeping for her children to return from exile. And that's on the second day. So you have been Yakeli Ephraim. All of that comes on the second day. So those things, you do not fulfill a mitzvah per se. Because the Torah reading has not been read out of the Torah. But I think it's, it's a crucial. These are, are, are very much themes of the day and things that should be focused on. So to try, you know, go through the davening as one would... So to do an Amida, to try and read through parts, if not all, of the, of the Torah in the Haftarah. But I, w- I would take it a, 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 um, a step further that if that doesn't resonate with you, find something to read. So you're not going to spend five hours in shul like you do on a regular year, assuming that some of you spend five hours in shul. But let's just say from, from 10.30 when shofar normally is until the end, find something to read. 
you know, if, if anyone wants, I'm happy to send a number of different sources. Rabbi Sachs has always got phenomenal material on the Yontif. There are There's so much material available to try and make the day meaningful. So to just read, the, you know, if the Torah reading is not going to resonate with you and, and, and you don't enjoy it, so find something on personal development change to accept the fact that Rosh Hashanah is special. Find something on the day. Um, there's plenty around and download it and print it. Do not read it off a tablet I think, or, or, or computer. I think it will defeat the purpose if one breaks Rosh Hashanah in order to learn on Rosh Hashanah. So my apologies to the trees, but I think printing is, uh, is crucial to do. If you're going to do something for Yiddishkeit, try to do it in uh, the proper way. Now, Musaf. So Musaf... Uh, the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah is very different to the Musaf of every other festival. Ordinarily, the Musaf of the festivals they talk about the sacrifices that were um, done on that particular day in the temple. But on Rosh Hashanah, there are actually three themes. Malchiot, Zichronot, and Shofarot. And what happens is, Malchiot means accepting and acknowledging the fact that Hashem is king of the universe. And that today is the day that he, we, so to speak, coronate Hashem as a king. Zichronot is that we acknowledge that everything we have done and everything um, within the world, its memory comes in front of Hashem and Hashem, so to speak, judges. And the fourth is the shofarot, is the understanding that the importance of the shofar, both in the context of the coronation or with regards to the, the impact and emotions that the shofar is supposed to elicit within the ears, within the heart of the listener. Now, in each of those three sections, when you open up your Siddur, you'll see it goes, there will be three verses from the Torah that talk about uh, Malchiot, then three from the, the book, the writings. So writings are Tehillim or Mishlei, or Tehillim, uh, Proverbs or Psalms. Then you have three from the book of Prophets, and then one more from, um, from the Torah. So, for example, the, the final one from the Torah in, the, in, in Malchiot is Shema Yisrael, Shem Elokeinu, Shem Echad. Same will happen with the Zichronot, the same will happen with Shofarot. And while we go through all of these, these are ultimately the three themes of the day. The theme of acknowledging Hashem's kingship over the world, that everything matters, and I think that's the key of Zichronot, you know, the idea of memory. So memory is relevant for those who forget. If you don't forget, you don't have memory. So there is a, I forgot what to call this, a certain syndrome that um, people never can suffer with which is a a syndrome that people have they don't forget anything and the problem with not forgetting anything is you, you you can't forgive people because forgetfulness and forgiveness often go hand in hand the ability to not hold so if you never forget anything that means the emotions that are elicited at a particular event in time never quieten over time because you know if someone's lost if you've lost someone close Time does make it more bearable. And even if it doesn't get easy, it gets easier, it becomes more manageable over the passage of time as your whole emotional reality comes to grips with the, with, with the new reality on the ground. But if it's in front of you all the time, there is no, you know, that doesn't happen. And the idea in front of Hashem is it's not that Hashem remembers us or that Hashem remembers what we do. The term Zecher regarding Hashem is very different to Zecher, you know, Zachor regarding us. Because it's in front of Hashem all the time. It's bringing into the forefront of Hashem that we matter. That's the whole chap of Rosh Hashanah. If we've been judged, it's because we matter. And that whole concept of Zichronot is that 
Hashem runs the world. Nothing happens in the world with Hashem's, without Hashem's guidance. So albeit that the world looks crazy and nothing makes sense at times, nevertheless, it is all under the guidance of Hashem. Second one, Zichronot, that everything we've done matters and everything we will do matters. And that's, uh, you know, at the beginning when we wake up in the morning, we say, we acknowledge in front of you, Hashem, that you return my soul to me, in mercy, great is your faith, your faith in me, that Hashem, you return my soul to me, it's a sign that you have faith in me, that I'm going to deliver. And that is so crucial at a time where we are asking Hashem, remember us for life, give us another year, please Hashem, give us another opportunity for another year. Why? Because we want to make an impact in the world. We want to make a difference. We realize that what we do, what we do matters. And we think we can do more. As long as we are purposeful, we, we warrant being in the world for another year. And as long as Hashem thinks that we still have what to give, He will in, give us another year. And it's a matter of using the experience of, of davening to say, what am I going to give to the world this year? So, so often we, we define ourselves by our professions, and that's, that's okay. But there's so much more that we, we are than you know, our professions. Um, very seldom at the end of people's life do they get remembered by their professions. They get remembered by the impact they had on the world. And so that's the zikhonot. Shofarot is sort of coming to grips with the reality that when you are willing to hear, and I'm going to use the, the current context, when you can hear the soft shofar, so this is the shofar gado yitaka. So we talk about this, it's in the Natana Tokyev, that the great shofar will blow. This is Rao Avabach's big piece, but shofar gado. So when the great shofar blasts, but a very fine, faint noise is heard. So the way our commentaries explain this is that people often hear the shofar but they don't hear the soft voice. The soft voice is, is Hashem talking. Hashem talks to us. There is prophecy today as there's always been. The difference is that we think that prophecy was loud on speakers and sound and light show. Prophecy has always been the called mamadaka. It's not the fact that the voice is never been there. It's that we've never been attuned to hearing the voice. Let's say at the beginning of um, Pashat Yitro. So Yitro is Moshe's father-in-law. So the Pasha begins, Vishma Yitro. Yitro heard, um, you know, what Hashem had done to the Israelites and he came. Yitro wasn't Jewish. And um, Rashi over there asks, what did Yitro hear? So he said, he heard the splitting of the sea, he heard about the plagues, he heard about the war against Amalek, he heard about Mount Sinai, whatever you heard. So uh, some of the commentaries say, but everyone heard that. He says, the Chap isn't to hear. The Chap is to hear, internalize and change. Yitro, everybody heard what Yitro heard. But Yitro heard and changed. So, you know, it's like, it's been one of the big questions of me throughout, throughout my rabbinic career. Is, you know, a good shkoyach after a drosha is not a sign of a good drosha. This, the fact that people like your drosha is not a sign that it was a good drosha. The good drosha is the ones that move people. And not only do I never know which ones move people, often people themselves don't know which ones move them. They hear something and they... They, they struggle with it, they, they try to digest it, maybe they reject it, maybe they, they change as a result. But those, those are the, the meaningful drushas. That's, that's what we're listening for. 
is not the we don't want to hear the shof. We don't so we don't listen to the shofar. We want to hear it or maybe the other way. We don't want to hear the shofar. We want to listen to it to be able to take them. And that's what the shofar is at at Mount Sinai. The shofar blew at Mount Sinai. But again, when the shofar blew at Mount Sinai, forty days later, people were worshiping the golden calf. So what's the cup of the shofar? Because if you hear the shofar and you don't internalize it, so what's the point of the shofar? If you're saying shema. And at no point do you internalize that this is me making a statement of my commitment to be Jewish and my commitment to the Jewish people, my commitment to the Jewish mission. And you don't believe that when you say Shema. So what are you saying? You're just saying words. Whether you say Shema Yisrael Shemagain or you say, you know, Fuzzy Wuzzy, uh, whether Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear, what difference does it make? If it's not going to resonate with it, you need to have that experience. And that's where the Shofar is. So you have the kingship acknowledging that everything happens for a reason. Uh, that everything matters and, and the shofar that we internalize the things that we see the things that we hear that ultimately the shofar is something that has to resonate within us so that's the uh, shofar and that's the davening and so hopefully that clarifies the shofar um, again if there's anyone questions please type your questions in the in the chat box below because I'm going to be kicked out of here shortly so I'm going to try to wrap up the other things to do is to also even the things that you can do this year, try and do them differently, try and do them more meaningfully. So everyone does apples dipped in honey and challah around challah with honey. But if you open up the, 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 the machzor, you'll see there are a lot of different ones, different foods and simanim. So people might be familiar with the fish head, which has never been my particular favorite, but there's, there's pomegranates, there's dates, there's leeks, there's pumpkin, and each of them has something symbolic, which is sort of saying we're eating this because we, we, we want life. And the reason we want life is not that we want another 365 days to enjoy the scenery of Sydney, to go walking through the bush, to go swimming in the sea, to go enjoy the nachs from the kids. That's not why we want another year. We want another year, Hashem, because we believe that we can make a difference in this year. And that's why we are begging Hashem for a year. So, so look at all of those. And halacha, the, 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 these things are not halakha. So I appreciate that even the apple dipped in honey, there's no mitzvah of having apple dipped in honey. Um, it's a very recent phenomenon, you should know, because they didn't, apples didn't exist in the Middle East, you know, at the time of the Bible. So, so it's a very modern. But, you know, develop some, you know, simonym of your own, especially if you've got kids around, to try think of different things that, what are you hoping for this year? So, I don't know. So, you want everyone to be healthy this year. So, I don't know, you eat a, you know, you're going to have a little bit of oat bran. So, you, you know, so you're going to have a little bit of you know, some bran flakes that we should all have a healthy new year. You know, I don't know. Any of these things that ideas to try to get oneself in, in a zone and in a mindset that, um, that we want life. And we want life because we want to make a difference. So I think all of those things. Tashlich. Um, so for those who do Tashlich, Tashlich is always a first day. In Israel, they are now selling. I just got an, an email. They are selling uh, mini aquariums. So, so you shouldn't have to go, like, don't go to Tashlich, let Tashlich come to you. Um, listen, if there's a seller, it means there's a buyer. So um, not for me, but um, for those who do Tashlich, I think to try this year, because all you have is the emotions, you don't have the, the paraphernalia, and you don't have the externalities, focus on the internals, focus on the things that can matter difference. And I'll bet that will be tough, and Yom Kippur will be even tougher. Don't miss the opportunity. We spoke last year around Pesach time that if you come out of uh, out of quarantine, 
You come out of a lockdown exactly the same way you went in, so, so lockdown was a waste of time. And the same thing is, if this Rosh Hashanah doesn't change you, then Chava. What a waste of waste of an opportunity. You had an opportunity to really, you know, you have all day to just read, learn, grow, develop. And that, that's an opportunity that perhaps you don't want it. But if you've got it, you've got to maximize it. And that's very much Viktor Frankl. So Viktor Frankl has a concept called logotherapy, which is, um, which he, so for those who don't know Viktor Frankl, Viktor Frankl was a, as a Holocaust survivor, and, and he wrote a book about his experiences in Auschwitz and developed a form of psychotherapy called logotherapy. And the idea being is that if you can use points of suffering as a launch pad to grow, it means the suffering was never in vain. And that is an unbelievable opportunity that in years such as this, we can use the unfortunate elements of the, the environment that we're in to be able to grow and develop despite them. So, thank you everybody. Um, I wish you all Gmachati Matova. Please God, we will be meeting again during the Seti Matova. If anyone has uh, questions, please put them in the chat. Otherwise, I'm going to got. Log off. If anyone has any, I'm still on WhatsApp. So if you, if anyone wants to ask me questions, by all means, just send them through WhatsApp, um, or give me a call. Even love to get phone calls from you, and uh, wish you all shanatova. Yeah, I'm unfortunate because I'm in the Beit Medrash. I'm not going to be able to unmute anyone. So if anyone wants to ask questions, please do so now. Give you a few, few minutes. I'll drink my coffee as we're waiting. Cheers, Ants. Cheers, Yvonne. Shana Tava. Shana Tava, Lauren. Gerald. Hello, Georgie. Jen. Ralph. Daryl. Wonderful, Mina. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Yontif. Please, let's all be in touch. Stay safe. All the best.